This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another edition of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. This is a very special edition since I am out of the studio and actually on the road all the way down in the Marlboro region of New Zealand. And I have the pleasure of having as a guest today someone that I met many years ago and happy to have a reacquaintance, John Forrest. G'day. Good day. <laughs> Good day indeed. So yeah. a little bit of an overcast day here in the sunniest place in uh, New Zealand. Yeah, apologies for that. You know, with two and, what, two and a half thousand hours of sunshine a year, you, you expect to see it every day. Yeah, well, you know, we can't, you, you can't spoil this every day, right? So, no, no. But I'm here. I'm glad we showed up today. I'm thrilled to have you as a, a guest on the podcast. It has been a long time, but here we are. And, and tell me, what have you been up to all these these years? And this is a beautiful, beautiful uh, vineyard, by the way. Yeah, Absolutely well, love it. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah we, um, we haven't stood still. I suppose the most exciting thing we've done in the last oh, 10 or more years is um, focus on developing premium but lower in alcohol wine. It's been a technical innovation that we've managed to achieve. Um, and there are really two parts to it uh, over the 10-year program. The first was to achieve um, lower sugar in the vine as it ripened. So I went to the vineyard. It's a vineyard-based approach. And I've effectively understood which leaves make most sugar in a critical time, take some away, and you basically the plant makes less sugar by up to 40%. But it doesn't seem to change its ability to make flavor or drop acid or get the skin and the pit, you know, phenolics right. That's uh, that's fascinating. I have not heard of this yeah. program. Well, we'll, so. show, we'll show you some wines to prove the point in a moment. But the, the sec- just to finish the story, the second part of the program was that once you've taken four to five percent alcohol away, you've got a problem because four to five percent alcohol does lots to a wine other than the central nervous system effect of too much of it making you drunk. It, changes the flavor of the wine, sure. changes yeah. the interaction between other molecules in the wine. So often wines with higher alcohol are perceived as having more roundness, more fullness, which people like. So the second part of our program has been to look at in the winery ways in the making of the wine that we can substitute those characters that people like about alcohol, ignoring the alcohol for, for the, you know, the central nervous system effects, for the feel and the taste substituting how we can do that in the winery and that's yeah that's been another focus of the program so the effect now is that we've got Sauvignon Blanc which is Marlborough's famous grape a Riesling a Pinot Rosé and just released a full body Pinot Noir all in the last 12 months won gold medals at international wine shows against 13 14 15 percent alcohol wines proving that they are up to typical, you know, showing the typical style of the variety at uh, international panel judges. And where are your alcohol levels coming in on these newer so, wines? So, it's, it's no accident that the greatest beer producer in the world can take four, maybe five, if, if they're lucky, percent alcohol out of beer and get to 0.0 with a, you know, a neutral lager. That's what we can achieve, that same drop. And the drop is limited by the, the fact that below that, I haven't found a way, and I don't know whether there is a way, to substitute for all the other effects of alcohol we like. So I think we're, we're looking at 9% as our, our point where we take, take our wines to and make credible, typical wines that 
as I said, can win gold medals and are pleasing thousands of people around the world. So if I had a, a 9%, and this is this Sauv Blanc we're talking about? Sauv Sauvignon Blanc? Dry, no, no residual sweetness. Okay, you know, so I have two Sauvignon Blancs in front of me, both very yeah. good, one at 14%, yeah. one at 9%, and I'm, I'm going to enjoy them both equally, yeah. or maybe even the 9% a little bit more. Well, through this door in my wine shop, rough survey would say that it's a 60-40 split in favor of the lower alcohol wine when people don't know and you ask which of the two they prefer and I think the reason for that is that alcohol has an inhibitory effect and both on flavor and it has an effect of changing the flavor of the, the fruit aromas of any fruit when you add alcohol to a say fruit juice wow and so the wines at nine percent are fruitier more true to the fruit flavor that you know say gooseberry in uh-huh. the case of Sauvignon Blanc it tastes like a fresher gooseberry or whatever the fruit may be yeah uh-huh. citrusy and I think people are enjoying that freshness of the fruit and the, the lightness and liveliness of the delicacy of the wine on the palate so there are actually once you understand them some real advantages to drinking lighter alcohol wine in terms of its style we're finding that with people who are turning to it they're making those positive comments about what i just said the fruitiness the, the feel in the mouth the delicacy you know, the, the chunkiness and clunkiness of high alcohol isn't there. The burniness that people often criticise, you know, a big 14% Shiraz for... Or, oh, yeah. or higher. Or higher, Chardonnay, right. yeah. yeah. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm completely uh, fascinated by this conversation, only because when I walked in here today, I wasn't you know, anticipating that we were going to be talking about low alcohol wines, and, and yet it is something that we've seen, at least in the, uh, the American market. The pendulum is starting to swing back towards less alcohol. You know, those high alcohol wines have been on the market for so long, particularly in our red, uh, our domestic red wines yeah. in, in uh, America. Yeah. What I learned, I've learned from this program, and it's, it's relevant to a, a, another subject of how low can you go with alcohol. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. um, people are very reticent to change what they like. So, uh, you know, it doesn't matter with what, what alcoholic beverage it is. It, and the analogy I often say is that People would prefer for their health to eat fillet steak, but I don't like fillet steak because it doesn't have the lusciousness it of, a rib, have the of fat. a ribeye, right. it doesn't yeah. have the fat. Now, if someone could invent fillet that tasted like fat, they'd, they'd make a billion dollars or more. And that's from day one, people have told me that. Yes, we love the idea of drinking, consuming less alcohol, particularly professional females. They've led this whole revolution over the 14 years I've been involved all around the world. And, you know, but you've got to deliver wine that show in every way the characters that they love about a Marlboro Sauvignon, Pinot Noir. It just doesn't matter. People won't change what they love. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned professional females. Yeah. You had mentioned uh, before we started the interview that your daughter now is taking over as GM of, uh, of the winery. Op- she has of the winery operation. Uh, is, has she had any influence in this decision to go low alcohol? I'm just curious. Uh, no, no it, was, it was it was driven very much. This was say we've been in this crusade for 14 years. It was driven very, in the first instance by myself, by a serendipitous observation. Um, when I made the first cabinet style Riesling, which was you know, 8.5%, but it had residual sweetness, 
um, every female in the room commented positively on how nice it was to have a lower in alcohol wine. By the way, I remember that wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. from those years ago. Yeah, yeah, the doctors had absolutely loved it and bought it for well, several years. Everything's now under that brand and it's dedicated to low alcohol it's been so successful but the, the rest of the wines in the brand range are dry because we can now understand how to to do that so we can get low alcohol wines yep. with uh, low residual or no residual sugar right yep. so we're yep. going these wines are completely dry yeah well yes dry 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 by the definition of yep. right of dry what yep. we think of as dry yeah and you're doing this now in Sauvignon Blanc Pinot Noir Pinot Noir just released and a Pinot based rosé so we'll, we'll have we'll, we'll taste you through them oh absolutely yeah. we'd love to taste those wines yeah. so a matter of fact why don't we uh, why don't we jump jump yeah. into that Yep. Is there something you want? No, you want to no, introduce? no. Let's, let's jump into. <laughs> okay, that. let's jump yep. into the uh, the wines. Let's uh, give them a pour and see what we're going to be tasting here. Because I'm excited about this. So as you know, uh, maybe maybe you don't. If those that are regular listeners of the podcast know that uh, one of the more enjoyable parts of, of this for me is actually tasting the wines during the podcast and then, of course, pontificating. Right. So, well, cheers. Cheers. So the first wine we just poured is a 2018? 19? 19? 19? 18. 2018. 18 Sauvignon Blanc. Right. Doctors. Doctors. Say, the Doctors Sauvignon Blanc, 2018 from Marlboro. Yeah. Right. Really. And wow, look at that. It says on the label, nine and a half percent. Yeah. So, and I t- well, first of all, the, the nose is stunning. The nose is just and brilliant. It, 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 typical of Marlborough. Yeah, and it's, and get, it's myriad yeah. of styles right? across the valley, isn't it? Yeah, yeah you're just getting that beautiful tropical, that gooseberry, uh, a little bit of grapefruit on the nose yeah. there. I'm not getting a lot of, uh, of the cut grass or green hay that I would associate, but that's okay. I, yeah. I actually prefer a, a yeah. riper style. Well, part of that is the fact that the vineyards this comes from in the middle part of the valley here don't have as much of that cut grass. They, they more have the gooseberry and the grapefruit. Wow. I mean, if I hadn't told you that was nine and a half and not 14, you never would, know. You'd would never know. You would not have known. That's Absolutely, that is. Yeah. The palate on it is great. It, ha- it still has a viscousness to it that I would associate with a you know a traditional yep. uh, 14% alcohol wine. I don't know how you pulled that off. Don't tell me it's a trade secret, I'm sure. <laughs> but that, I gotta tell you, is really my wife. Talking about professional women. Yeah. My wife would love this wine. I'm going to have to make sure we get uh, get her in here. By the way, I should probably mention that we're sitting in the middle of a vineyard right now. We're surrounded by these gorgeous vines. And I have to say, the sun is now coming out. You're living up to the reputation of, uh, of the sunny region. But, man, this wine is just stunning, really. All right. What do we have next? So I assume this is a rosé of Pinot. It is a rosé of Pinot, but it, we don't put Pinot on the label because um, it has serendipitous and necessary splash of the aromatic low anais, uh, uh, the Piedmonti aromatic white, um, put into it in the first year I made it, mm-hmm. only because I'd um, allowed the Pinot Noir to ripen a little too much and I wasn't going to make a, a 9.5% rosé, so I, <laughs> I back-blended the, uh, uh, sorry, I co-harvested the Arnais at the same time, which was at around 7% potential alcohol and had a makeable acid, and the result 
with about 20, 20% addition of Arnais makes a, a better wine. The slightly strawberry jamminess of straight Pinot rosés disappears and it's fresh strawberry and the finish has this lovely sage herbal element of the Arnais and the combination is better and the colour like uh, adding Viognier to Syrah is, is bluer mm. and, and I, I would say sexier. Oh, so we're drinking the 2018 Doctor's Rosé. That mouth feels wonderful. And you get just this lush rush of strawberry right up front. Yeah. That's crazy. It's almost like a strawberry jam. Yes. But again, very light in the mouth. Yep. And, and the delicate balance, balance. It's balance. very yeah. delicate balance. Again, at 9.5% alcohol. Apples for apples. I'd like to show you what's the current release. And which we're, this is just the, the last. Yeah. I would love to taste the current release. Yeah. And so I probably, we should probably mention that uh, Hamish is here helping us out. Yeah, Hamish is my um, sales and marketing manager. There you go. He, he might want to talk about just how well these are selling globally too because I mean the doctor's brand has gone from nothing for us really commercially over five years to two-thirds of what we're doing and um, it's, it'll grow again this year and the year after as long as I can access enough fruit. John remind me where does the doctor's brand name come from? Um, it, it, it's got a lovely, it's actually got an American connection. The picture on the front is a slightly cartoonized version of a famous Albert Einstein photo of Albert in a morning suit with a top hat on a bike cycling through Caltech University in 1932 to give one of his great lectures on relativity. And it hung on my laboratory wall when I was a biomedical researcher at the Salk Biomedical Institute in San Diego, a very famous institute in America for medical research. And, um, and when we wanted a, a look and a name, um, remembering that I'm a doctor and my wife's a doctor, she actually's a, a, a real doctor, she still practices medicine. A real doctor? Yeah, okay. it, was, it was the perfect combination of sort of a science type image with the name the doctors and the apostrophe after the S meaning plural and it, it just become a cult on the lease, it became a cult label and it's continued to... Well, I love the label yeah, and, yeah. and again, you know, I'm thrilled these are available in America, yeah. the United States, I should say. And you and I have something in common, we're both married to doctors. Yes, well, very good. Right. Very smart move. <laughs> so now we're trying the 2019 Rosé, yeah, yeah. Uh, so just to compare and contrast them. Yeah, it, it just, I think it just shows you, eight, 18 was a big berry year and wow, a very different year. This, wow. this is a, 19 is a more typical Marlborough year. Okay. So where the 18 was strawberry, very big strawberry mm. fruit, lovely, ripe. This reminds me more of apples. Mm. So a little, little, I know what you're saying, right? a red apple. A red apple in there. A red apple. Yeah. yeah, so I'm getting more of that and red I get, apple. I get fresh strawberry over the 18, as, as you so rightly said, it's, got, it's heading just a little strawberry confected, you know, right. jam, yep, yep. matured in the bottle. Yep. This is going, like the first pick of strawberry we're getting right now in, in New Zealand. We just had a week. Right. A week so of this is more of a fresh strawberry and red apple. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely. And just a, a again, I can't get over, like, if I was tasting it and you said guess the alcohol, I'm going to say maybe 12, 12 and a half, maybe even, maybe yeah. 13, but you know, 12 and a half, not even conceivable to me that I'd put this at nine and a half. No. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that was the object of the... I could drink a bunch of that. 
It's on my permanently on my boat, that wine, and I'm stocking my boat at the moment for my Christmas two-week break. And 50% of it is low-alcohol wine because it's fantastic to be able to socially, for me, sip a wine all day while I'm fishing and I take my breathalyzer with me and I stay legal to be a pilot of my own boat and legal to drive my car when I get back to my mooring. And, and probably keep your wits about you when you actually get a fish on the line. Well, that's the critical driving force, actually. I don't want to lose a big fish. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's actually, there are two reasons for this low alcohol phenomenon around the world. The first one, and often more directed towards the female is this wellness phenomena which is taking the world by storm you know just being better to yourself and for yourself the second one is that these wines open up opportunities like i've just described with myself being able to have a a wine through the day without worrying about piloting my boat and drinking. And yeah. we're heading into the holiday season down Absolutely. here. Absolutely, yeah. Right? You know, being able to maybe have a glass or two of this at a holiday party uh, uh, and still have your wits about you, and I think that's just... Huge, huge. It's, 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 it's huge, and New Zealand's led this, and, and they're ahead of, really, the world and the awareness of it. I mean, Heineken, for example, released their, their 0, 0.0 here last year, ahead of other places. The entire summer production in New Zealand was sold out by the 24th of December. Wow. Before summer because of the demand for being responsible about the delivery of alcohol at Christmas functions. Right. Just incredible how if you give people wine, beer or spirits that deliver quality at a low alcohol, how they choose to incorporate it into their their party, their diet, their their lifestyle. It's really become a thorn. Let's, look, just to be complete, let's, let's do the range. So okay. Yeah, yeah. We're going to flip back around here. This is the, the, the original Doctors, which is the Cabernet-style Riesling. So right. this has 40 grams residual balance higher, high acidity, higher acidity, and of course it comes with very stony terroir, so it has a minerality about oh, it. Oh, yeah, this yeah. is, this is yeah. the stuff. Now, ah, this is the uh, this is the wine that uh, made me fall in love with you the, all those years ago. Yeah, I had a fresh piece of snapper which I had done in panko crumbs last night for my wife when she got home from work. It was just delicious, uh, Hamish. Fresh snapper, panko oh. panko cooked, yeah, with crumbs, and this wine cutting through, oh, cutting through. Man, the, that was just delicious. And a fresh this is wonderful. Salad, yeah. So yeah, you definitely get the residual sugar in this. It is a sweeter style uh, Riesling, but the balance is pitch perfect. You're still getting a little bit of that lemon lime in there. Yeah. And this, for me, I would love this with, say, uh, Asian or Indian cuisine. Yeah. Uh, be able to cut through some of those spicier fares. Man, I, I think this would just be yeah. brilliant with some of the uh, spicier. Absolutely. All right. Right, well, we'll finish the okay. range with uh, the Pinot. So the, Cheers. The Pinot took another three years to sort out because... Oh, this is a 9.5% Pinot. This is a 9.5% Pinot. And that's a hell of an achievement from down from the forest at 14 or 14 and a half. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it smells like Pinot. It smells like Pinot. And it has a palate like Pinot. And it even has some, you know, secondary structure and texture like a Pinot. So this is the 2018 Doctors yep. Pinot Noir 9.5% yep. uh, alcohol. 9.5%. Right. Wow. Yeah. Smells like a Pinot. And it got a gold medal a couple of months ago at International Wine Challenge in Melbourne, Australia, against all the big New Zealand, Aussie, and international pinot. Brilliant. Cherry, bright. Yep. 
I mean, the argument lovely. again, the argument is social. You've had a lovely glass of 14.5% Shiraz at your barbecue. Yep. You're driving the car home. You still want to have a second glass of wine. You don't want to rush home. As, right. your, as your second wine for the night. It's not even nothing wrong with it as your first wine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, it comes back, you know, that oppor- social opportunity again. Lovely. Yeah. That is great. You know, again, don't know how you're pulling off the mouthfeel, but that is just a lovely um, mm. wine. Brilliant. Uh, again, wouldn't know it's nine and a half. Yeah. I know I keep saying that. No, that's good. No. I, want, I want you to think that or, or say that. Yeah. But but it really is a, a stunning surprise that mm. you're getting this much flavor, this much mouthfeel, which is where I thought you were going to fall short in this. I know. You know, if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. That's what we're all about. It's, right. As I said to you, the market clearly told me that on day one. It had to show the characters of the wine they loved. Yeah. The, the only comment I might make yep. is it is a it de- definitely a lighter style y- yes. of Pinot Noir. That, and, uh, in, in its defense, remember 18 was a big berry vintage, and it, and it, it is the 17 was darker okay. and more tannic, and the 19, uh, which is in barrel, uh, it's sensational. It's a big black brooding monster with lots of textures. Well, we're going to have to come back and try that one. So it, it's a vintage thing as much as as you have. So now we've tasted through the doctor's nine and a half percent alcohol, uh, and we're going uh, to where are we going now? We just wanted to show you some of the, the forest range of, of, uh, of wines, and we've chosen a selection to just to be interesting. We thought we why don't we start with the the nineteen Sauvignon. Sure. So this is, this is, I suppose... Sauvignon Blanc, I should... Sauvignon yeah. Blanc. This is... Uh, well, it's a wine that we've made uh, for now 29 years, or maybe 30 vintages. We, we, it's outside the Marlborough norm now. It, it's more... It's got a touch of sonsierness about it because it comes off very stony terroir that express the minerality. I've also worked there a couple of vintages, so there's an influence. And I'm trying deliberately to not to make... The sweaty herbal style, of, right? The, of the, of what, summer, I don't want to say it's typical yeah. New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, but yeah. many people, at least early on, back in the the 90s, when Sauvignon, the New Zealand yeah. Sauvignon Blancs were hitting the market, they did have more of an herbaceous kind of that yeah. grassy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, still, it's still I think it has a lovely grapefruit nuance to it. Yeah, sure does. Elderflower is also this part of the valley on stones. Elderflower mm. is a descriptive that a lot of people see in Marlborough Sauvignon. Mm. Okay, okay, so wow, hey, yeah, oh wow, that's that's this, funny. This, this is really right. I keep sense. you know, nineteen seventy, right? You know, again, I keep, I, I don't mean to keep bringing my wife into the, the conversation on this, but this is a Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, that's right up her alley. It's got that wonderful minerality. She should probably try this. She's in the background over there, but I think she would love this Sauvignon Blanc because, yeah. again, that stony minerality, that yeah. grapefruit, tropical fruit. That stony minerality thing you're commenting on, here's how I describe it. I describe it as saltini, sea spray-like. There's a, there's a slightly saltiness. Right. Not, it's in salt you put on your food, right. but that smell... More of, like a saline kind saline, of... Saline, right. yeah, that yeah. You know, sea, sea, ozone sea smell. That's what I get. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's yummy. Yeah. 
I could die. I yeah. yeah. Now, now, the alcohol on that, though, is... It is 14. 14. Yeah, yeah. But still, 15, compared to against the, you know, yeah. the doctors we had, yeah. pretty good. Yep, yeah, that's right. That's right. Right? And, I mean, this is, yeah, to be fair, you're not comparing apples with apples in as much as this is made very much to a style that myself and my daughter agree on. We've made it for 30 years, as I said now, it deliberately not in the typical Marlborough style because, you know, where we grow it and, and also philosophically what we want to do with it, you know, and it's got some lots of touches that, you know, I try to elevate it to something special. Well, that is special. Yeah. I was going to say, it's just a Sauvignon Blanc that my wife would like. Right. <coughs> I'll pull you one, yeah. Yeah. You should come and try it. But I want to show you now what I think is... Maybe the next big thing. No way. Alberino. 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 In New Zealand. Yeah, in New Zealand. As I live and breathe. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you, you smell the, tell me it doesn't have the, the nose, the, the apricot, the fruit. Wow. The quince. Al, are you the first yeah? to do this? One of the first, yes. We, 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 I think there's probably six in New Zealand. But we've had a program of importing and, and planting a small amount of one varietal each year. My wife would let me do one varietal a year. Um, we've planted more Alberino because it's clearly the one that's been most successful. And it's got the oily texture and then a lovely phenolically driven dry finish rather than acid defined. I mean, it's fresh, but it Definitely the apricot. Apricot. And you are getting kind of that, you know, you, you described it as oily. Yeah. It mm -hmm. gets better. I've got right. a, yeah, I've got a practice. Well, it, you know, kind of want it luscious. To me, it, yeah. it's luscious. Yeah. But see that lovely drying finish? That's why I, I love yeah. Spanish Alberino, where I fell in love with the variety, because it has a lovely apricot dominant or stone fruit dominant note. Right. It it has a, a luscious almost Chardonnay like palette that gets oilier, you know, like a Gewürztraminer with age. And then it has this most incredibly drying phenolic dryness to finish the wine, not driven by acidity like Sauvignon Blanc, but driven by the phenolic from the skin and the pit. There's a difference. People have got to appreciate a wine can be dry in your mouth, driven by acid. Right. Think Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. Yep. Or phenolics. Think a Alsatian Gewürztraminer. It has no acid, right. but it has incredible phenolics that give it a freshness and definition at the finish. I gotta say, that's, that is a lovely surprise. Good. <laughs> a, a New Zealand Alberino. There we are. So, I think it's, you know, there are selective places where it will do best. I've put it in my oldest and most complex soil typed vineyard that I know performs and gives an exotic fruit profile to whatever variety is there. It also is hotter during the day and colder at night, so the hang time's longer during the ripening period, but it gets hotter, I thought, a year. It's probably going to mimic you know, the, the Galatia area of northwestern Spain a little closer than the valley floor here, which yeah. gets cold sea-driven afternoon breezes that keep the temperature, you know, cooler during the, during the day. Well, you're a brave man for, for trying this because uh, I don't know that many people would have assumed that Alberino would work here, and uh, that one does. Well, funny, I was at the Waitrose, which is the Whole Foods equivalent in the UK, okay. you know, a premium supermarket, all about quality and, you know, natural and everything else. 
and a three-day show two weeks ago, the wine that people loved the most and bought the most of was the Albarino. They just didn't believe, like you, you're, wow, New Zealand Albarino. They didn't, they had a low expectation when they tried it and they said, they just said, yeah, OMG, oh my God. Right, yeah, that is, <laughs> so, that is yeah. a fun wine to try. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so, so we're heading into your Chardonnay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, this is a 15. Yes. That's positively ancient by New Zealand standards. Well, you, you try this. this is, what I find about Marlborough Chardonnay, it's a combination of the minerality that's held within the cool, the cool nights we have over ripening and the acidity uh-huh. over the, over, retained over cool nights ripening and also the minerality. They take at least three years before they begin to integrate, begin to integrate. I reckon they're best in the seven to 10 time frame. And that can certainly last longer. And this one, I think, is just integrating now. Okay. And is this is this seeing any oak, or is it? Yeah, it's half oaked. Yeah. Half oaked because I'm I'm really it tastes so fresh and it's so bright. You get that sort of lusciousness mm-hmm. in, that you expect from a Chardonnay. Yeah. But I'm glad you use such a, a light hand with the, the oak. Yeah. It, it's all it, steel or barrel. It's had. Um, extended leaves stirring in contact. I like mm. I like autolysis. So that's what's giving yeah. it the mouthfeel. Yeah, is and that a lot is of the autolysis stirring it on the leaves? And most of the barrel work was also older barrels, just for the autolytic characters. Let's we're going to finish with the 17 Bot Riesling, which is our signature wine for no particular reason other than it's our most awarded wine. Okay. The other big surprise that I think your your, your listeners won't appreciate is that Marlborough actually has been the most awarded region for Pinot Noir probably over at least the last 10 years if not 15 in New Zealand. I mean perception and understanding they do I have a vineyard there and they do wonderful Pinot Noirs the central Otago beautiful beautiful region I'm sure you're going there or you've been there but Marlborough on the south side of the valley on the older soil on elevated sites is doing world-class Pinot Noir just and that's where the serious pinots are from that terroir which makes up you know about 40 percent of this this valley and they have a distinctive character they have a raspberry strawberry profile as it's one of their fruit signatures and they have the forest floor description from burgundy you know which, which is just the signature of this, this sub-region of new zealand so this is now the forest Pinot Noir 2017 and 14% right from Marlborough from Marlborough and, and it's just won the gold medal and trophy as champion Pinot Noir of, at the Marlborough International Wine Challenge well let me tell you just yeah. just on the nose alone it deserves that award um, this yeah, is a, it's just typical I mean I'm, I'm, this is just typical of so many good Marlborough Pinots that that character that slightly mm. earthiness yeah, the, the what I call the the composty feel, the character, Google Burgundy. Okay, that is that is just a wonderful Pinot Noir, and it's different for me. I associate with a New Zealand Pinot Noir. Normally, I think of a, a New Zealand Pinot Noir, and I'm being when I say New Zealand, I mean country, not particularly Marlborough or yeah. Otago. I normally associate those with a lighter, more feminine style um, or brighter style wine, but this one is rich and savory and yeah. beautifully integrated between the fruit and and kind of these baking spices mm. uh, that there are in a, there. There's a spicy, you're right. 
and it's fantastic. Please tell me this is available in the United States. Well, it was. Sixteen is there. Oh, okay. oh thank goodness. <laughs> and take heart. Listeners, the 16 is Hamish's favourite wine. The 17 is, is probably my mine. We have this debate as to which was better, don't we, Hamish? Okay, the 16, the 17 is stunning. Sorry, Hamish. Yeah. <laughs> that that is a lovely, brilliant wine. Oops, I accidentally drank some of that. Oh, that's that's forgiven. Isn't that it's terrible? Forgiven. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Yeah. Well, I have a long day ahead of me, and I bring back that low alcohol. <laughs> So that's actually very big. You know, yeah. So to compare and contrast, very different yes. from the low alcohol wine. And you know what? That's okay. You that's can, okay. You just pick the occasion you want to drink any yeah. of these. If I'm staying home for the night uh, and I may be having a roast salmon, Go um, for it. I'm, yeah. I'm opening up the, the 17 Forest. Well, I'm having that wine uh, along with, um, with one other, uh, Hamish, yeah. could, uh, have you got the, the Waitaki Valley limestone grown wine? I want to show you New Zealand's newest. Pinot. Yes, Pinot. And most exciting wine region. Okay. And it's the Waitaki Valley of North Otago, right. Central Otago, and it has limestone terraces and analytically, they're identical to the Cote d'Or. Well, that, that preface is Matt Kramer, you know, the dictator sure, yeah. wine critic, yep. calls this the Chambon Moussigny of the New World. Really? Yeah, because it's, it's all savoury, it's not the toot and the fruit. I'm, you know, I'm oh, well, uh, no, no disrespect to Matt. On the nose, I would never, I wouldn't personally yeah. say that this is a, a Cote de Bone. Yeah, but there's, you know, a, there's a lovely, there's a floral element to, to the nose. There really is. There's a, almost a, a violet. Yeah, well, that, that's what I always get out of great limestone-grown Burgundy. That violet is my first impression, if it's good. There's definitely a, a savory note and a riper fruit component yeah. in this. But on that palate, there's that lovely savoriness accentuated, and then there's that chalky limestone minerality at the finish of it. What year was that? That's is that 15, this one? 15? Uh, 15. Okay, because I'm going to have to try to take a picture of that and put it on the website. It's called... Tati, Bog Tati Bogler, we pronounce it. Tati Bogler. But the Scot it's a Scottish name. It's actually Tati Bogle. It means potato goblin or scarecrow now in the modern vernacular. So Tati Bogler. The whole region of Otago in the south of New Zealand was settled by Scotsmen. So they went to the cold region, just like Scotland, and away from the English. That's the history of New Zealand. Right, we and, were in Dunedin yesterday, yeah, two days ago. Yeah, yeah. Dunedin. Even central right. Otago, you know, around the famous wine region, you can still see people regularly wearing kilts and, you know, in the winter, curling, you know, the, the, with the granite yep. round bricks yeah, yeah. they throw at each other. So it's it, just a name because, yeah, my, my forest history is Scottish. Good on you. Yeah, and, uh, and I can't go through American airport without people thinking I'm... Um, Colin Montgomery, because you know, yeah, we, bit, we, were, we, came from the, we came from the same yeah. town, and genetically, say. Colin lifts his eyebrows and eyes like mine and fla flaps his arm around. I saw him, I was in a Hampton hotel. You were doing it right now, 
in America, and I was watching Colin Montgomery give a lesson on putting because I was just waiting to be picked up in the car. I think they had to do some wine work, and it was like looking at my twin double because yeah. he he was just doing the same. Man- it was the mannerisms that it, you know, which right. are genetically you determined. Just, yeah, you keep yeah. doing it, <laughs> you raising your eyebrows you and, and, and taking your hands yeah. out to the side. It's pretty funny, and so he's your doppelganger. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so. it, helped, it helped me tremendously one time in that I was at the back of the queue and I was going to miss my plane. And, you know, sometimes God is good to you because the, the chief inspector for security pointed at me and I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? I'm in trouble here. He said, come here. You know, I walked up sheepishly and he said, Colin, you know, what are you standing there for? Come up to the front. And I didn't deny that I was Colin Montgomery's double. <laughs> I made my play. <laughs> uh, actually, I think we've, we've grabbed the, we've got all the glasses. we got one more. Yeah, go- hey, so, sorry, can we have two more glasses? So, <laughs> I think we've gone through about a dozen glasses oh, each year right. today. Sure. But uh, So we're going to end, we're going to finish our interview uh, yep. with the forest. Botrytis Riesling. Yeah. All so, right. As I said, this, this is our... Sig- now this is signature wine. Okay, um, from Marlborough, it's, it's 2018. Sort of a permanent fixture on our proud airline, Air New Zealand. So those of you are coming from America on Air New Zealand, I hope you fly Air New Zealand. It's a wonderful airline. Uh, it's there. And our friend Jim has been yes, uh, good yes. about picking up the wines for those. <laughs> it's made from three sites. Two of the sites on the western side, sorry, the northern side of the valley, where we get more rain in, in the you know, the harvest period, so you can get some rot routinely. We do a few little tricks in the vineyard, to, you know, we, we understand how to induce rot okay. at, at now, and, but basically you're looking for that lovely toffee um, butterscotch, right. raisiny character of shriveled grapes with the, the blue botrytis fungus dried on the outside, right. and then on the south side where it's very dry during vintage, like a fifth the rainfall over just 10 kilometres of distance, you know, seven yeah, mile. Yeah. It, it's picked last in June often, and it's like orange marmalade. Wow. So it has the most, the super ripe and, and really, really ripe apricot. So it's super ripe Riesling back blended with the super patois. So it starts out as a Trocken, Germans would say, a Trocken Baron ounce laser right. at over 300 grams residual sweetness. Wow. And I back blend it, in my opinion, for quality to, to about 250 to 270, and it makes a much better wine. And a a bit of keeping wine with, with good acidity. So, yeah, so have a look at this. Yeah, so uh, I probably should clarify for listeners that you use the word rot a couple times. Yeah. That's a good thing that when we're talking about really, when we talk about botrytis, it's a fungus that affects the grape and shrivels it down. And yes, it does look disgusting, but what it does is essentially dehydrates the grape That's so right. that it concentrates the flavors and so that the juice that we get out of the grape and is, the sugar. And the sugar, we get a, a higher sugar content. Up to 50%. And, by white sugar. And beautiful, yeah. beautiful concentrated flavors. Yeah. Uh, now, this is a, a Botrytis Riesling. Yeah. Wow. And then the other thing that you said is that you... Uh, that you harvest the the other the other component of this grape the later harvest the later harvest which is just in June sh- just slightly shriveled which, grapes right. that, that taste like orange marmalade but we have to also clarify that since we're in the southern hemisphere yeah. June is actually very close to your winter it's December for a northern hemisphere right. I, I went to the Rheingau in the famous German producer of sweet wine and they they harvest 
you know, their trop-ins in December and even into January. Mm-hmm. That that late in the in the remember that your your harvest is normally. But because s- we're on in, yeah. the, uh, in the southern hemisphere, it's reversed, and I just kind of wanted to make yeah. that point. Yeah. Because people might be saying, harvesting in June isn't that late. Very <laughs> <laughs> early, in fact. Yeah. yeah. But, that yeah. is wonderful. And what a, yeah. a sweet note. Yes. Yeah, sweet note, note too. To uh, okay, so let me just describe the wine. It's apricot and peach and beautiful honey, textured honey. Wow. And just this br- a marmalade. Yes. Yeah, Marmal- I'm getting a marmalade. Yeah, a specific marmalade. And, and you can get it, I think, at Whole Foods. It's an English marmalade. It's called Roses Orange Marmalade. Mm. It comes in a squat jar about this thing. It's just the most, the best, in my opinion, orange marmalade I've ever come across anywhere in the world. Well, no offense, I don't need the orange marmalade if I can drink this. No. I might not be able to put it on my toast, but... So my favorite combination here is a creamy blue cheese, a slice of green apple, and a salty cracker. That combination of the salt, the the appleness, which is part of the Riesling profile, but the acidity with a creamy cheese, Wow. You think that's that's top-notch? That's top-notch, and such an easy dessert, you know. Well, John, on that note, on that very sweet note, it's so good to see you after all these years. And thank you for being a guest on the Vine Guy podcast. A pleasure's mine. My first one I've done abroad. (laughs) Well, I I hope it went well. Cheers. Thank you for joining me on this special on-the-road episode of the Vine Guy. This episode was produced by Sarah Beth Hensley. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, And catch my Wine of the Week segments every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com.